Welcome into the Jaguars broadcast. We can review podcasts presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick at Radio Row at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And today we have the best of the week from the Combine on Jaguars Radio and Jaguars.com, including Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson making the media tour Tuesday. Plus NFL Network and ESPN analysts breaking down the Jags' options with the number one overall pick and more. Let's begin with Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson. He spoke at the main podium and later made multiple stops on Radio Row Tuesday, including with Ashwin Sullivan and John Osher talking through the Jags' roster and needs. There's talent on the roster, number one. And and we know that every year we get to this part of the of the offseason and there's going to be changes, right? There's always going to be guys that are mm-hmm. going to leave, guys that we're going to add you know, through free agency. And, and we want to sign all our free agents, right? I mean, the guys that were uh, with the team a year or two ago. And, and, and so – we're all everybody's kind of going through this, but when I look at the roster, there's there's talent. Now, do we need help? Yeah, we need we need to keep in acquiring talent, right? We need to fill in some gaps. We need to to make sure that Trevor has you know weapons and skill uh, positions around around him and, and, and the offensive line and, and things like that. We we're, we've always felt strong about the defense and, and and those front guys and you know. But again, this is the why we go through free agency and. And the draft, right, is to continue to add and, and bring talent and value to, to the roster. The Jaguars head coach also explained how the interview process goes for prospects in the Jaguars room at the NFL Scouting Combine. We'll draw a play. The position coach will go up, draw a play, mm-hmm. write the terminology out, describe the play in detail to the to the player. It could be a receiver, it could be, you know, Carson Wentz, the quarterback, a running back, whoever it might be, mm-hmm. describe in detail the play at the beginning of the interview and then we'll erase the board and then we'll go through the interview go through tape look at everything and then in the last two minutes or 90 seconds we go okay get back on the board and tell us what you remember of the play and he has to write it out he has to detail it he's got a diagram all you know all five routes or whatever it is and again that's a really good way of understanding how much they know of football more with Doug Peterson and General Manager Trent Balky in the coming days on the team website. Let's move to Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Thursday afternoon. CBS Sports senior writer Pete Prisco joined Ashland and John here in Indianapolis. The Jaguars are going without an executive vice president. And we started Tuesday morning with the news that the Jaguars have decided they will not hire an executive vice president. Thoughts? I don't like it. I think they needed to bring a guy above Trent bulky and and let him have some input into the way things are run uh, maybe not have the final decision making power but also be a guy who can add his insight into that because where are they now you have Doug Peterson who's in there but now you also have the general manager who's the same guy that was the general manager a year ago and so I think that's part of the problem here I really do it I, I look I've made I haven't shied away from it. I think they needed to make a change at general manager. I'm not as adamant about it as the fans are, Mm -hmm. and nor do I think Shad's a clown for not making that move, but they needed to make a move. Just Why didn't they just start all over again? But as it is, now it's all on Trent and and Doug Peterson to get along. And I asked, we had Doug on our our set the other day, and I asked him, I said, you know, there's a the, the fans wanted him out. There were people that didn't want to come work here with him. What is your relationship with him, and have you paid attention to that? And he said, look, I'm not looking into the rearview mirror. I'm looking forward. So I understand from his standpoint, I just would have made a change. Pete, I'm not sure you've been on our, uh, I guess the channels is the word you use, right, Shlin? That's the the word the kids (laughs) use. Um, But I'm not sure we've talked to you much since the Peterson hire. 
Uh, you obviously know Doug from before. Uh, talk about him, talk about what he's going to bring. What are your impressions? Well, I think this was a job, and I'm a big Byron Leftwich guy. I love Byron. I, I always have. I've always had a great relationship with him. I don't think this would have been a good job for Byron. I think Byron's going to be a great coach down the road, but this wouldn't have been it. They treated him poorly in Jacksonville, let's be honest about it. He still had some bad blood about that. And I think this was a team that needed a guy with skins on the wall. And by that, I mean a guy who has the cachet, the, the Super Bowl ring. You can come in there and clean up the mess, and it was a mess that's being left behind. And so I think that's the most important thing. And he's a good offensive mind. All you have to do, all you have to do is look, he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Well, I'm shocked that you went there. <laughs> oh, my God, he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. They should put him in, in coaching Hall of Fame just for doing that. How will his, uh, you know, again, you study more other teams' schemes than we get a chance to. Detail-wise, how do you expect the offense with Peterson to look? How is this going to look? Uh, explain that to fans in layman's terms. Well, you look, it's not going to be the wide zone that everybody you know, wants, uh, which I think is the perfect offense for a lot of quarterbacks, you know, where you run the wide zone like the 49ers do. It makes it so much easier on them. The old Kyle Shanahan offense, you know, we've seen them rush for 300 yards once in a playoff game running that offense. It <laughs> yes, just makes it easier on the quarterback. So this is going to be more of a pro style. Like, we, mm. take Kansas City. It'll be a lot like their offense, you know, the Andy Reid pro-style offense, which means it's going to cater to the quarterback. And if you looked at what Doug did when he was in Philly, he catered to the quarterback. Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate when he was there. Uh, was probably going to win it had he not got hurt that correct. year, 17. Mm -hmm. he, uh, correct. And so it, it's perfect for Trevor Lawrence. It's a quarterback-centric offense. Now, there's always been criticism of this offense that you don't run the ball enough. Mm -hmm. And Andy Reid gets that all the time. He's got it his entire career. Uh, but I think Doug will be more, much more balanced, I think, in that scenario. Yeah, most of the offenses that have had, or most of the times this offense has had a functional quarterback, it's performed at a pretty high level. And even with some average play there. And, and by the way, I don't think in this uh, building, if the running back fumbles, that they're going to yank him out for the entire game either. So uh, just, just keep. Oh, just keep man. Oh, I'm go, go. I'm, I'm getting it all out. And then when I come back and do the thing with Baselli in the fall, then we'll get it out even more. <laughs> Gosh. Jaguars Happy Hour Radio airs Thursday at 4 p.m. on 1010XL AM and Jaguars social media. More in a moment. Welcome back to the Jaguars broadcast weekend review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. Trevor Sikama is a host, reporter, and podcaster for Pro Football Focus. We caught up Friday here at the Combine, and he explained what this week means and some of the top names available in the draft. This is my favorite week of the year no doubt about it I mean whether it's getting to really get up close and personal with a lot of these players get to know them really well the medical rechecks the athletic drills and then of course getting to do stuff like this talk to a lot of different media members get to meet a lot of people I mean it's just it's a great it's a great event I love it for a lot of different reasons so you're right this kind of is my super as a draft guy this is my Super Bowl all right so a few days into the combine there have been a couple of days of on-field workouts how much of that do you watch do you go back and look at it later um, and what can you kind of glean from the first couple days? Um, uh, I'm a draft nut, so I'm watching this stuff the second it comes out. I mean, I'm trying to make it to every single podium that I can. I'm trying to watch all the drills as they're coming out. So I'm trying to digest a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I think 
I'm just like everybody else where I appreciate the entertainment aspect of it, especially the drills, right? We saw uh, the wide receivers running those fast 40-yard dashes. We're all sitting there at the bar, back at the hotel, kind of freaking out with everybody else as it's happening. And all right, so the official times are a little slower than that. But still, you know, you enjoy the spectacle, and that's what makes this a lot of fun. But there's a lot of, you know, I think the real work, if you will, about what we figure out here is you watch how guys test. You watch their measurements as they're coming in, whether it's the height, the arm length, the hand size, whatever it is. And then you go back to the tape and you see, okay, do those things show up? You know, for offensive linemen, if he's got short arms, okay, well, is he not able to reach some of these longer edge rushers? Is he getting exposed in that way? You know, with the wide receivers, you go, okay, this is a guy who wanted to play very much in the slot. I thought he was a quick guy. I thought he won in that way. So if he runs a little bit slower in some of the agility drills, you go, okay, now I, now I kind of go, got to go back to the tape and see if this is really a strength that he'll have at the NFL level. And you can take that as well for positives as well. When a guy runs faster in the 40, you go, all right, maybe he could be a little bit more of a vertical threat than I thought he once was on tape. And so I think those are a lot of the things that you just are able to take away um, from what a lot of these guys are doing on the field that really helps. Trevor, it's a weird year to have the number one overall pick because there aren't any real big quarterback prospects that a lot of teams in the past would maybe try to trade up and get that opportunity to, to pick a guy. So it feels like, at least right now, unless there's something crazy that happens in the next month and a half, that the Jaguars will have that pick at number one overall. You know, most mocks have Evan Neal or Aiden Hutchinson. Right. Start with those guys. Evan Neal measured in and just looks incredible, just a physical specimen when he walks out there. Yeah, I mean, Evan Neal showed up at the podium, and he told everybody he looked 335, and uh, he looked more in shape than me, and I'm like 165. So, I mean, I don't know where he's carrying that weight, but apparently the scale doesn't lie there. You know, he couple of videos came out last summer showing just how athletic this dude was and in his jumps and his flexibility and everything and then you go and look at the measurements you go wow he's six foot seven 360 pounds how is he able to do this <laughs> at uh, such a massive size and that's what really makes him a great overall prospect and what I love about his game is that he's boring okay when you watch his tape he doesn't give up a lot there's not a lot of red right you're not highlighting these negative clips he just does his job really well I think the other offensive tackles in this class that a lot of guys are touting Charles Cross you like his finesse ability the Mississippi State offensive tackle he's a really great pass blocker he's had a lot of pass blocking reps in that Mike Leach system so he's got a lot of experience there and he's got a good uh, athletic profile with it Iki Aquanu, the offensive tackle from NC State he's a road grader man he's a mauler he's got some of the meanest finishes that you will see when he gets out in space but Evan Neal he's almost like that best of both worlds he feels like the most all-around offensive tackle in this class there's just not a lot of weaknesses in his game when playing in Alabama you play a lot of really good opponents and you face a lot of really good edge rushers whether it's speed guys power guys whatever it is and Evan Neal's had a lot of experience and He's been fantastic this past year, and I think that he really showed that, like I said, best part about him is he's boring. You don't have a lot of flashes that go up against him in his tape. Let's see what happens in the next week or so if the Jaguars do something with Cam Robinson. That could change their idea at number one overall, of course. So then that brings up Aiden Hutchinson as the defensive end out of Michigan. Second in the Heisman voting. We all saw him play. He's a fantastic star player out of Michigan. So what, what does he not have? What is his game missing? Sure. And, you know, when I watch Aiden Hutchinson, 
What I appreciate the most from him is if you go back three years, and that's what's important. You know, a lot of people during draft classes, they look at, okay, well, just show me the most recent year. That's the most recent tape. That's who they are. And, yes, obviously that tape is more telling of exactly who they are in that moment. But how they got there is really important too. You know, he's been a rotational player for Michigan for the last three years. And if you go back three years ago, he was really just kind of this long kind of defensive lineman. You wasn't sure if he was playing inside or out or what he was doing. He was playing next to Quidi Pei and Josh Uche and Maurice Hurst and all those guys just trying to find his way and I think as the years have gone on you've physically seen in his game how he has been able to learn and you know when you look at him I think that he's going to test a lot better than people think athletically maybe he's not going to have the best 40 yard dash when it comes to that speed getting up the arc I think he's got a great first step but then it's kind of that second and third step what's the top speed that he has when he gets even with offensive tackles can he really blow by them from a pure speed element that's probably the biggest question mark of his game but I think he understands that and he's really been able to mask or counter what might be his quote-unquote weaknesses and still be really effective and that's what you saw this past year that's when you get the, the kind of production that he had this past year at Michigan the first step is great I think the hand usage is great he's really come along with some great moves not just attacking the outside shoulder but also his inside counter was deadly this year so you pair all of that with such a relentless motor that he has. He is going 100% and giving you what you would want out of an Aiden Hutchinson type player every single play. That's what makes him so alluring to go number one overall. Trevor Sikkeman with us from Pro Football Focus. Wide receivers, as you mentioned a moment ago, they put on a show in the 40 and the testing the other day here. What kind of group overall is this wide receiver core and it just feels like the Jags at 33, you know, maybe they jump back in the bottom of the first, but in that ballpark because they need some wide receiver help in Jacksonville. Yeah, they do, and it's it's a really good year to need a wide receiver or want to draft a wide receiver, whether it's round one, two, I'd tell you even three or four, and we're just seeing that in – Football in general, where high school football is going so spread out, there's so many wide receivers on the field, and uh, as a result, you're seeing so much of that in college as well, and now you're seeing that in the NFL. It's just a trickle-down effect. So with the seven-on-sevens and and everything that we've seen from offensive development, even at the high school level – wide receiver draft classes in the NFL are good every year and this is no exception. You, know, you talked about some options for the Jaguars. You mentioned it. They've got the speed already. The, they, the, the quote was the ship has not sailed on LaVisca Chenault and I certainly hope it hasn't because I really liked him when he came through as well. So, you know, I hope that uh, I hope that they're obviously able to get the most out of the guys that they have there. But, they could definitely use another player, and I think another big-bodied player is something that they would love, a true X receiver, if you will, somebody that could be on the line of scrimmage, play on the backside of formations, really make teams stay in those two safety looks with the safety helping over the top on one side to open up some space everywhere else. And a couple of guys that come to my mind, I don't know where Drake London's going to end up going. I think he's going to be a first-round pick, but perhaps maybe he falls a little bit. Maybe the Jaguars have the opportunity to trade back in the first round and get him. I think he'd be fantastic. George Pickens is a player from Georgia who – Really put on a show this past week. I don't know if he's going to make it to 32 now at this or 33 now at this point uh, with how well he performed in Indianapolis. But he's another guy that I really like. Christian Watkins from North Dakota State. He's that same type of mold of those just big-bodied wide receivers. And so I really feel like that kind of a mold is something that could really round out what they have in the passing attack in Jacksonville. And um, yeah, like I said, it's a great wide receiver class, and they're going to be able to get one wherever it is. Give Trevor Sikama a follow on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. When we return, Laura Rutledge and Ryan Clark of ESPN, plus Charles Davis of CBS Sports and NFL Network weighs in on the new Jaguars regime. All that after this. 
Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSP, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. The Dailies play schedule heating up for the spring and summer and some highlights early. April 8th, Brothers Osborne, Lil Dirk April 19th, Tim McGraw May 5th. A little later, two nights of the Lumineers, May 17th and 18th, and two nights of the Dave Matthews Band, June 6th and 7th. That's just to name a few. The full schedule available at dailiesplace.com. Friday, I had a chance to catch up with ESPN analyst Ryan Clark. He played 13 seasons in the NFL as a safety, mostly with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He recently signed a new extension at ESPN, the network that brought him on in 2015, the day he retired from professional football. Clark also hosts The Pivot with pride of the Jaguars running back Fred Taylor. Plenty to discuss with Ryan Clark of ESPN. It was one of those things, you know, when you get to work for a network like ESPN, you want to continue those things. Uh, but you also want to be utilized in a way that uh, that promotes what you can do and the things that you bring to the table. And they've done that, and I appreciate them. And you're, you're doing all sorts of different things as well. The Pivot is a new thing with Fred Taylor. We know Fred very well. Guy, How's that going so far? Man, it's going excellent, man. You know, uh, when Tony Baselli went into the Hall of Fame or was selected, the first question I asked him on the Pivot, like, are you next? You know, and, and he was like, well, you know, I sure damn hope so. Uh, Fred is, is, is an awesome guy, man. Fred is a dude who, you know, I enjoy being around. I enjoy working with. Obviously, Channing Crowder is also there. He's the wild card um, of what we do. And, you know, you're in the media, so you understand it's about expansion, right? It's about branding. And it's also sometimes you have to show people what you're capable of before they can believe it. And it's cool to have an opportunity to host a show like that. Ryan Clark with us. The last year, obviously, has been one of the lowest times for the Jaguars and and a lot of low times in the last decade, 10, 15 years. But now trying to build out of that, the hiring of Doug Peterson Mm -hmm. as head coach, a guy who's done it before in the NFL, who has a skin on the wall. That's the start of it. How long does it take to turn around a culture and organization in the NFL? I think culture can be changed immediately, right? And like, so think about the Detroit Lions. They sucked this year. They weren't a good football team. But you could tell the culture changed, right? Like you, you could see the way that they competed. You could see the way that they believed, the, the, the fight that was in that team. And that was because they took on the – the, the, the character of, of Dan Campbell, right? They, they, they followed what their coach was. And I believe when you have a guy like Doug Peterson who's won a championship, who in 2017 had Carson Wentz playing at the highest level in the league, but also won a championship with Nick Foles, and now you look at Trevor Lawrence, right? You want someone that can tutor him. You want someone that can build a relationship with him. But you also want to see him reach the height of his potential. This is a kid I watched at 17 play 7-on-7 seven seven football, and you could see the elite traits. You want him to be comfortable, you want him to be respected, but you want him to be coached toughly and Doug Peterson to do that. And when you coach a guy like Trevor Lawrence in that way, I believe the rest of the team follows. And so I think this is a a great move for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And also, I believe the culture will change fast, but you got to get the people to do the work. And I believe he'll get that done, but it may not necessarily result in wins right away. Ryan Clark with us. You mentioned Trevor and seven on seven time when he was a young guy. The spotlight's been on this guy from when he was a 
you know, 13, 14 years old. A lot of people kind of had him as a big-time prospect going into college, and, of course, that worked out, and then the number one pick. So I'm not sure what will phase Trevor Lawrence. He's been through this his entire life. Having this type of pressure on him has to be somewhat normal for him, I guess. I mean, I mean it's normal, but it's also about the, pro- the, the, the process, right? It's also about understanding that even though these expectations are heaped on me, I don't have to fold under the expectations, but at some point I have to produce. And we saw flashes of that last year. You can see some of the talent. You can see the athleticism, but that has to be consistent. And I think that's going to be Trevor Lawrence's challenge, right? Understanding that I have the baseline skills to be as great as any quarterback that's ever played, but it's about putting it on display every opportunity I get on game day. I think Trevor Lawrence can do that. I think he will do that. But it's, bro, it's when when people start comparing you to Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck before you take a snap in the NFL, that's extremely difficult, right? But this guy has dealt with that since the eighth grade. And I think he understands that and he embraces that. But he's going to have to show the love for the game in the adversity. And that's going to take him to the next step. Also Friday, host of NFL Live on ESPN and SEC Nation on SEC Network, it's Laura Rutledge continuing the conversation about a culture rebuild in Jacksonville. Because I think you talk about rebuilding teams, and that's more personnel-based, right? But rebuilding culture is a little bit more difficult. I, I think the reason why it won't take long is because you have Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback. And when you talk about a culture guy, a guy who, through all the turmoil that you mentioned, remained so steadfast, didn't throw people under the bus, remained classy, uh, continued to impress. I mean, what an in, what an incredible young man. And having covered him in college and watching his success, I, I've always been a fan. Um, and I really felt for him with everything that was going on. And it just felt like, wow, I mean, imagine you're the number one overall pick, and that's great. But then you end up in that type of situation and having to operate through that. I think Doug Peterson is absolutely the right hire and, and will be able to get this thing righted. Um, I love to see it when that's the direction that the Jaguars went. But, you know, I would say there's obviously going to be some patience required, which Jaguars fans are like seriously we're tired of that you know but I think even you look at the Bengals and the turnaround that they had so quickly bringing in a guy like Joe Burrow and and getting the right staff in place and trusting in that staff to build and grow and get better um, that's a good model for what the Jags can do. Yeah I would say patience is wearing a little bit thin in Jacksonville these days. Uh, What's your best Trevor Lawrence memory college or now in in the in the pros yeah one of my favorite I mean this one is probably one that other people bring up but that national championship that he won when he beat Alabama as a freshman you know we were there and um, just being on the field and watching the incredible precision with which he operated through that game was one of the most magnificent performances I've ever seen and for him to be doing it as a freshman it was it was a wow moment. It was awe-inspiring. You just sit there and you say, how is this even possible for this guy? And yet, you know, and so much of that conversation that year had been around Alabama's great defense and, you know, Tua Tungavailoa and all that. And then yet, Trevor Lawrence is like, all right, I got it. I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm good to go. And so that that's one of my favorite memories of him. I think so much of that celebration, even post-game, was everyone was having a good time. Even, you know, Christian Wilkins is doing splits on the field and whatever. But Trevor was very measured, which he always is. But I think it's because he expected to win. And, and that's what you're getting in this guy. I mean, he, he is he is the ultimate franchise quarterback, the ultimate 
guy to build your your team around. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be fun watching him have those celebrations at the NFL level one of these days. <laughs> Laura, I can barely hear you with the bench press going on behind us. Uh, Laura Rutledge from ESPN with us. All right, um, Jaguars have the number one overall pick for the second straight year. There's some business to attend to in the next week or so, with the franchise tag deadline coming up and free agency beginning the start of the league year. That aside, it, it, that's going to determine what can happen at number one. I get it. Are you apt to go O-line or D-line at number one? I want to go O-line. And there's some great options. Evan Neal's really talented. Even Kim Aquanu, who yesterday was like, I wouldn't be surprised if I was the number one pick. I'm like, yeah, man, I wouldn't be surprised either. You know, really, really good offensive line. And I think when you think about protecting Trevor Lawrence, making this offense better, they showed some flashes at times, even last season, right? You're bringing in Mike McCoy as a quarterback's coach, I think is a great mix with, with Trevor. We just got to get a good O-line going. And, and I think there's enough defensive prospects later that they could grab somebody there to fortify some needs on that side of the ball. But I would go O-line. Then again, like even as I say it, I'm like, wait, you're going to pass on Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau and some of these absolute incredible freaks of nature on that side of the ball. But um, I, I think it's so need-based. And, and if, if that continues to be such a strong need, they should get it at that number one pick. More of the conversation with Laura Rutledge and Ryan Clark later next week on Jaguars.com. Let's wrap this week with CBS Sports and NFL Network analyst Charles Davis. He sat down with Ashlyn Sullivan and John Osier earlier this week on Radio Row. Although I'm extremely bullish on Doug Peterson, I do think there's more talent in Jacksonville than people give credit for. Now you just have to harness it and turn these kids loose because I think last year really hurt them psyche-wise because of everything they went through. But they have anything, they have any success early? You could, have, you could have a nice little leap out of this team. I really believe that. The full conversation with Charles Davis available on Jaguars.com. That's it from Indianapolis. Full coverage from the NFL Scouting Combine available on the team website and team social media channels. Enjoy the weekend and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank.